What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Oh Hey There podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero filling in for Javi Vega. With me, as always, Leo Luna. What's up, Leo? What's going on, man? Just got back in from San Antonio yesterday. I uh, had some work to do out there, uh, and I didn't see Javi. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a little what? heartbroken. The, the man, I'll keep it real, though. The man's doing about 12, 14 hours a day. He's working his butt off. Um, so the time he does get, Hey, let me, you know, let me enjoy it with my wife. Let me enjoy it with my kids. I get it. And then he has, you know, 49ers content on top of it. So the man's nonstop working, uh, asking him to drive over an hour to come see me. It was a little taxing. I don't blame him. You're a nicer man than I, man. I would have thrown him under the bus forever. That's because we're we're not a married couple like you and Levin. So that's, <laughs> you know, we have an open relationship. That, I that's see. the difference here. Wow, you took that in a weird direction, but we're just going to keep rolling Let's with it. it. Before we introduce our guests, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say, if you take the time to leave a review on the show, we will take the time to read it. All right, no hobby today, but that's okay. We've got you covered. As I said in the Twitter space today, we we're going to start educating you on some of these prospects coming out that could possibly land with the 49ers in the draft. No better way to do that than to speak with one of our all-time favorites here, John Chapman from the 49ers Rush Podcast. John, how are you? And thanks for coming on today. Man, I'm exceptional. I, I feel like I am uh, might do some relationship counseling here between <laughs> uh, Stats and Leo. But I just want to let you guys know I'm here and I hear what you're saying and your feelings. And let's move forward with some draft content, some 49ers. Uh, love being on the show. Appreciate the invite, guys. So first thing, because I just found this out before we hit record, John, you are having a fantastic draft event that now, unbeknownst to me, Leo is going to be a part of. So tell people about the event, where they can go, how they can be a part of it, and what you have going on. Yeah, the the draft has always been my baby. Like, that's how I came to, like, love the NFL and all those things. So the question we asked is, how do we throw the best NFL draft party ever for 49ers fans? Spare expenses. Let's just make it work. Uh, the details work itself out. So we rented out a uh, club, a brand-new club in Mandalay Bay on Las Vegas Strip. Uh, we got Fred Warner and Elijah Mitchell coming out and Leo Luna, which they're in the same yeah. uh, tier uh, whenever <laughs> in, in my own personal opinion. And so, yeah, we're doing a small, private, kind of intimate party um, in Las Vegas. Day one of the draft and day two, we rented out a brewery in the draft is uh, in Vegas as well. So if you want to have the best NFL draft experience with 49ers players and the amount of content creators we got coming out, head to 49ers Rush roadtrip.com 49ers rush roadtrip.com we still have some tickets available uh not a lot of tickets though so uh we're almost completely sold out it will be sold out by the time of the event but uh head over there check it out uh, open bar open food i mean foods hey included everything it's gonna be it's gonna be a night it's gonna be a really good weekend and if you're on the edge of going like man like i don't really want to see leo but this sounds like a great <laughs> event you could actually use promo code luna and get 25 dollars off so once again promo code luna 25 dollars off and i'll see you there whether you like it or not oh well i'm Oof. glad that you know you'll be there and if you go you'll have one up on javi who apparently couldn't be bothered to meet with leo when leo was in the area stock down javi vega all right lots we want to get to today we want to talk about some of the draft prospects that the Niners could be looking at. Again, no first-round pick. That stinks, but there's still plenty of names to keep your eye on, so we want to ask you about that, John. But the story that has dominated 49ers Twitter today, and I I can't believe we're here, 
And Leo, I'll start with you. Frank Gore announced his unofficial retirement, basically, on an Instagram Live with Bovada. And there are people out there, 49ers fans, Vish Kumaran, I'm talking to you because you're one of them. Croc, I'm talking to you because you're one of them that think that Frank Gore is not a Hall of Famer. John, bring some sanity to the podcast. Frank Gore, Hall of Famer. Am I wrong? No, 100% Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. And there's so much criteria that you can look at when you're trying to determine them. Um, and, you know, whether it's longevity, whether it's stats, which, again, people don't understand. A lot of people don't know. The Pro Football Writers Association determines who gets in and who doesn't. They are the biggest stat nerds in the world. And so whenever those guys step in, that's what they're looking at. You're looking at all-time ranks. You're looking at 16,000 career rush yards, which I think is pretty impressive that he was able to stop his rush yards right at <laughs> 16,000. That is a feat in and of itself. But likability, uh, longevity, stats, impact on the NFL, and all those things he's got. Now, if we're going to play devil's advocate, what does he not have? He doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. He doesn't have all pro years. But what he does is he's been the kind of like three to number five every single year forever. And he's been a part of so many different franchises all positively. And I think one of the kickers that will throw him over the top, you look recently in the NFL and it's guys like Terrell Davis, even our own John Lynch, that the media coverage, whether as a broadcaster, as a GM, as any of those things, push those players over the top. Frank Gore's got that in spades. Uh, whether he's boxing or whatever, like he's everywhere. So uh, yeah, he is. He might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, but he will be in the Hall of Fame year two or three. And it seems like they're trying to move off of that first ballot Hall of Fame status for a lot of players, um, which I understand. But yes, Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. He will be in the Hall of Fame um, probably in six to seven years from uh, last year. Didn't count because he didn't play. So uh, I guess that would be five to six years from uh, this point. That's my thing. Like, if you want to say he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, okay, fine. Like, I agree with you. He's not the greatest running back of all time. I, I'm not going to no. fight you on that. But the guy has 16,000 rushing yards. I think I could make an argument that we will never see a running back reach 16,000 rushing yards again. It's just not the way the game is played. And, uh, you know, I want to point out the guy averaged almost five yards per carry at 35 years old. Like, yeah, I know he stayed in the league for a long time, but, you know, he wasn't just there because he won a church raffle. He was there because people kept giving him money because he's a good player. Exactly. And whether you're looking at rushing yards, yards per scrimmage, which I think people don't talk about enough, he's fourth all time in total yards per scrimmage. So if you're just looking at the running back stats, yeah, third all time rushing yards, that's insane. Fourth all time yards from scrimmage. That's a whole nother. I think that's way more impressive than just rushing yards because it shows he's a multi-faceted player that could beat you in a myriad of ways. Um, the story's incredible too, right? It, writers, right? Pro football-focused writers. Two torn ACLs in college, you know, was the fourth running back at the U. Comes out and has, the, like, it's writing the story for themselves. They're going to fall over themselves on this one. He's in. So I, I get the argument going against them, but they get hung up on certain minutiae that you know whatever it's so okay okay let's 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 look at from a different angle patrick willis is not in the hall of fame currently he will be he will be but that dude had five all pro years 
So if your criteria is, well, he doesn't get in because he's not the best player at his position for a longevity, well, then why the hell isn't Patrick Willis in there? <laughs> like, the standards don't make sense to me. Terrell Davis in, is in because he had four great years, which is fine, but there's still four great years. Yeah. So you're telling me Gore can't get in if he has, you know, 12 really, really good years? Like, I, I think it can work both ways, especially at a position that just chews people up and spits them out. And you said it. Two ACL tears. Two reconstructed shoulders after his first year in the NFL. Severely dyslexic. One parent that had a drug problem. Like, this guy has overcome an incredible amount of adversity to be one of the greatest players at his position to ever play. Leo, are you? where are these people coming from that are saying Frank Gore is not a Hall of Famer? I just find it like wild to the point Frank Gore had eight out of 10 years in with the 49ers where he saw a minimum of 12 games. And in all eight of those years, he was a thousand yard rusher. One franchise, how many running backs in the NFL, especially nowadays, um, see though, you know, those types of accolades, 8,000 or excuse me, eight seasons of a thousand yards how like that doesn't grow on trees and frank gore is not running the ball 25 times 30 times a game like derrick henry is with with the titans no you actually look at those carries per game not one of those years he saw 20 mm -hmm. the highest was uh, uh 19 and and change per game uh besides that it's about 17 15 16 so what we were seeing from Elijah Mitchell this year, we saw Elijah Mitchell over 20 kind of frequently. Frank Gore wasn't doing that on an average, you know, basis with the 49ers and he was still getting a thousand yards and he was doing that. Keep in mind you healthy, healthy. One, one of those years that he didn't reach that minimum 12 games was his rookie season. So the next following eight, eight out of nine years, he was being available and that that's kind of the biggest attribute there. Uh, he was a big part in their uh, receiving game as, as a running back. He was doing things from there as well. And, heck, the guy went on to Indianapolis, was a 33-year-old running back, and got 1,000 yards at 33. <laughs> Guy, guys could barely get contract at that age, and he went on and got another contract in Miami, got another contract by the Jets, got another contract by Buffalo. So if that doesn't speak to the type of player Frank Gore is and – there's a lot of good running backs out there that are young and they'll rather go sign a 35, 36 year old Frank Gore than a, say a 28 year old on the market or an undrafted free agent that's running a four, four. No, let me, let me go get Frank Gore. Um, so that just shows you where he is respected around the NFL. And uh, that's why the 49ers are going to retire his number. I think they should. I don't know if you saw this, Rob. Uh, I know they are. I know they are because I, in 2020, I was texting with the player and that text was, Hey, are you like sticking with that Jersey number? Because it was a funky number. Um, and he said, yeah, unfortunately the practice squad numbers were up uh, because of COVID. So the roster count was higher. R numbers were more limited on what you can have. And so he tried to ask for 21. And that's when they told him, no, we're <laughs> saving that. And other players asked for 21 as well. And so 21 was unavailable. And the reason being is they're holding it on until Frank Gore officially retires. And 
they go through that process and they're going to retire his number. That's a ballsy move to ask for 21. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know, these guys, uh, him, especially wore 21 in the past. I'm not going to say his name, but yeah. So, so it's not a surprise that he would ask for that number. You know, just go back to the Miami team that Gore was on Clinton Portis and Willis McGahee. All of those guys, those guys will tell you that Frank Gore was the better, was the best running back on that team. I am unfortunately a Miami Hurricanes fan. And I say unfortunately, because <laughs> it's been pretty ugly for about most of my life now. I, I thought I picked the gold mine, you know, in my youth years. I was like, heck yes, this is my squad. Um, saw national championship very early um, with them. But it's when I saw he went to the 49ers back in 2005, I was, I was ecstatic. Like, yes, a hurricane, a good one. Not Ken Dorsey, a good one. <laughs> well, he was on the game team. too. Yeah. So I, I was ecstatic and um, I'm here in San Diego. I, most of my life has been in San Diego, but when Frank Gore became a 49er, I was in San Diego already. They played a preseason game at Qualcomm and it's Frank Gore's rookie year once again. And I'm just screaming at him because our, my dad got us insane tickets. Um, being a father now, I'm like, dude, like, how'd you pay for all that money? Um, so I was screaming at him. I was actually wearing a Deion Sanders jersey. So it had the 21 blasted on it. But I had like a hoodie on. So it didn't show the last name. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing your jersey. I'm wearing your jersey. Come sign my hat. And he was like, after the game, after the game. Um, I was just like, oh, this, you know, he's blowing me off or whatever, just saying after the game. I kid you not, as soon as that clock hit zeros, the first thing he did was rush over to me, signed my hat, started signing things for any for every other people, gave away his gloves, wristbands, the whole nine. And that's just something that sticks with me, especially now, you know, talking about sports, you know, I talk with players, meet them. I'm just like, and us fans get really annoying. Um, but the fact that he kept his word to the T, this guy's a rookie. He could go out to midfield and go shake LaDainian Tomlinson's hand, who's, you know, a perennial pro bowler at that point. He could go do – I think Breeze was still on that team. He could have went there and shook Drew Breeze. Um, but instead, he wants to say what's up to a, to a teenager. I, I respect that, man, and he'll always have my respect. I think he's going to have the respect of any 49ers fan that saw him play. He's a legend. If they do retire his jersey, that would be well-deserved. Frank Orr going in the 49ers ring of honor, I'm sure, and hopefully the Hall of Fame someday. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll start to get into some of this draft stuff. We want to pick John's brain about what the 49ers might do with all their picks. Back on the Oh Hey There podcast. All right, John, it's time to pick your brain. You are one of the draft lovers one of the guys that eats sleeps and breathes nfl drafts so we want to pick your brain so that people out there can be you know have something to look forward to thursday is going to be tough without a first round pick but here the 49ers are they sit number 61 overall in the second round who are let's just start broadly what are the positions you think the 49ers are going to target in that spot I think there's a couple positions that they need to target. Then I think there's a couple positions that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan will want to target, right? Uh, they just can't help themselves with edge prospects. And I mean, that's just, they're, they're tied to it. Um, we're, we're set at edge. We've got five edge players on the roster currently, but if there is a stud edge guy there, 
I my betting chance will be that is the person that they will take. We'll jump into some of those guys hopefully. Um, but what I think they should uh, focus on, I think three key positions that are must-starts. If they see themselves as a playoff team, playoff caliber team, and I think they do, I think you have interior offensive line, um, slot corner, which a lot of NFL teams would put a little bit more on the back burner. I do not because it's over 70% of the plays. And then wide receiver. If Debo or Ayuk goes down right now, this offense is going to struggle a little bit with Trey Lance, and I think you have to put the draft assets there to make him comfortable and success, give him a little bit more of a comfort blanket. But I think those are kind of the key positions. Some people would throw safety into the mix there, um, but it's not a valued position so much from the 49ers aspect as far as draft capital goes with this front office. But, yeah, wide receiver, interior offensive line, um, edge, and then safety, you could throw that in there as well. I like that John went ahead and said three positions because we 49ers have three picks on day two. So they could double up on one position, but odds are that they probably go three separate positions here. Um, I, to me, I think safety has got to be a big one uh, as far as positional need. Now it depends who's on the board at that time, for sure. Um, that's a big part of it. Uh, slot corner hit the head on the nail there saying 70% of the time, like it's, it's not a secondary starter at this point. It's, it's the third linebacker. Who's the secondary starter at this point. Um, you may not see the, the K one Williams getting many starts on his stat sheet at the end of the year, but the man is a starter. Um, so let's not play around with that offensive tackle. Absolutely. What's going to happen with Mike McGlinchey, We've already seen 49ers transcripts uh, sidestep that, do a little Euro Luca <laughs> uh, step on that question there. Um, so we'll see what the plan is for tackle. But to me, if McGlinchey, you know, it's a big injury. Is he going to be available week one, two, three, four? If not, who's there? Tom Compton's not here anymore. Compton went to Denver. So that's a big question mark for me there. Um, those are going to be, say, my threes offensive tackle. And then two in the secondary. Jordan Elliott has an awesome article on NinersNation.com just about the history of this regime in the draft. And John, I'm going to put you on the spot here because this blew me away. You mentioned interior offensive line as a need for the 49ers, and I agree with you. It absolutely is. Do you know how many interior offensive linemen the Shanahan Lynch regime has drafted in their five years at the helm? I know they have not drafted any centers. Um, yeah, obviously we got Aaron Banks from last year. What do you count Colton McKivitz as? What do you call Jalen Moore as? It's you, I think it might be two. It might be two. It might be one. It is one. It's Aaron Banks. <laughs> and that's it. That didn't even seem possible to me. Like I read that and I had to go look it up uh. on pro football reference. Like, how can that be real? And stunner. The 49ers go into this draft needing interior offensive line help. Um, I know that's not the first position you named, but to me, I think it's a huge deal. You have Trey Lance. He's taking over at quarterback. You need to have a functioning offensive line. And right now they're counting on essentially two rookies in Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore. And God knows who it's center. And hopefully Mike McGlinchey coming back from a major injury. Like this is a, to me, like I'm a little panicked here about the interior yeah. offensive line. Is there help for that spot in this draft? There is. Now, I think Alex Max comes back for another year. That's just conjecture on my point. If you remember back to when Joe Staley retired, 
Nobody had a clue. There was no positive or negative out there. We get through the first round of the draft, and everybody's like, oh, Joe Staley's back. And then it's like, oh, ESPN. Oh, yeah, Joe Staley's done. Oh, yeah, we made a trade. Oh, yeah, Trent Williams is new, the new guy. And we got lucky as hell there. We got very, very lucky. Hopefully, it's not a repeat of that. There are lots of guys here. Now, again, if you're looking, it depends on when you're targeting, too. And one thing that I will say, because the 49ers have a very zone-specific, lighter, uh, more mobile interior offensive line uh, trends, usually, that you're going to be able to get some of these guys a little later. Uh, if you're picking at 61, probably one of my favorite players in this draft, Dylan Parham out of Memphis. He is a lightning quick. Love this dude. Um, so, if, if you're there, that's probably the only player that kind of stands out in my mind. But more than likely, as you said, they don't draft them that high this often. I think probably three of the most popular names out there, if you're looking at 49ers names, Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. He's fun. Spencer Burford out of UTSA. And Donovan West, uh, the ASU connection. Anytime you see an ASU player, offense, defense, doesn't matter. You got to put a gold star next to their name, the whole John Lynch and Herm Edwards' connection, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Leo Luna and Javi, uh, how connected they are at the hip, you know what I mean? Anytime you could throw me in a sentence that says Herm Edwards and John Lynch, like, I love you. So, I love it. <laughs> Herm Edwards is one of the nicest, coolest people I ever met. When I was working at ESPN, Herm Edwards was just down for anything. I, would, especially when I first started there, had to work a lot of the holidays, right, because they they give the seniority, the people that have been there longer get the holidays off. So I got stuck producing shows on like Thanksgiving and stuff. And I remember I was like, you know what? Maybe I can get Herm to come on. And I texted Herm and I was like, hey, Herm, can you come on at like 730 in the morning on Thanksgiving? And he writes back. All right. It was a phone call, actually. And he says, well, let's see, 730. That'll be 430 a.m. for me. I'm in California. Sure. No problem. And I was like, oh, my God, Herm, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I didn't know you were in California. He goes, no, no problem, man. I'm here to work. And he came on the show and he was like up and awake and like fully into it and ended up doing like two segments. I think Herm Edwards is awesome. Plus he loved to give people silver dollars for some reason. I don't know why I have a silver dollar that Herm Edwards gave me because he gave them to everyone. Uh, just a weird guy, but a nice guy. Uh, so I have nothing but good things to say about Herm Edwards. Um, okay. So that's interior offensive line help. They're still searching for somebody to compliment Nick Bosa from a pass rush perspective, I find it hard to believe you're going to get an impact player with where the 49ers currently sit in the draft order. But if they were going to go that angle with their first pick or second pick, what are some names out there for people to keep an eye on? Yeah, I think with we have 12 defensive linemen under contract currently the 49ers do usually only keep 10 they kept 11 last year and they put one on ir and brought back a center like the only way that i think the 49ers target an edge player is if a specific type of edge falls a d4 type of edge guy you're not looking for your complete 4-3 defensive end we have those we have five edge players currently on the roster that they're high on I think it is only if the 49ers have this one type of guy, this speed, high-end bend, pass rush specialist, that's what I think they would take at 61. Um, if Arnold Epicady out of Penn State is there, I think that is a perfect fit because, again, he's got a lot of issues in the run game. He's not a complete player by any stretch, which will force him to fall. Edges usually go early. They always get pushed up just like quarterbacks do. 
But Arnold Ebicati is huge. If you if you go down a little again, that pick sixty one. Now you might be able to fall back and do something like what they did in twenty twenty, where they fall back a couple spots and then pick um, to pick up more draft capital. I don't expect them to do that just because Lynch and Shanahan are not very patient. Nick Benito fits that as well. He's kind of that three four outside backer out of Oklahoma. But the 49ers have light three, four edge backers. Uh, you look at Samson Ebukam, that was his role in college and for the Rams, and you transition them to that kind of outside um, position there. But again, it, it, now if you wait, uh, Myjai Sanders out of Cincinnati is another guy that I think that you could look in the fourth to fifth round. Very undersized, not a complete player whatsoever, but he has some of those traits where if you told him, hey, this is all you're doing, you come in. Third and long, opposite of Nick Bosa, you're going to be successful. And anybody that's been opposite Nick Bosa has had success. So you put these guys kind of in a position to be successful. Um, I, I I think there's those are a couple of names out there. Once you get past that fifth round, though, you kind of lose that burst bend that I think the 49ers are going to want. There's a couple project guys, but it, that's kind of the sweet spot or the last sweet spot in this draft where you can grab some of these bursts burst players i do like uh samson ebicon that's currently on the roster go figure uh he's a speed guy d ford like guy um i believe he ran a four five out of college um but we've seen the 49ers draft for the next season looks like they did that with aaron banks and and with tomlinson on the last year of his deal because ebicon's on the last year of his deal um so it's not that they need a say draft an edge necessarily for this season but i it's great that john brought up the count because there is a certain number that that you're going to go at you're not going to keep all of them um it's not like baseball where you're just flooded with prospects that you keep on your team um with football there's no triple a like these guys are here uh so that's a big thing there and someone i look at is dominique robinson um, wasn't the quickest 40 at 472, but he is an athletic guy, 6'5. Even though being 6'5, he, he's only 253. So he he's someone that's quick. He's very raw. And I find that as important because once again, they don't need, necessarily need the guy for this season. Um, you have Ebicon, we saw Kerry Hyder before. Um, you have other guys that you could put on the opposite side of Nick Bosa, and I think those two guys are you know, people who can play at a high level. Um, even though Hyder, you probably want to to rotate with the Nick Bosa to give him some breather since they're more similar in style. But Dominique Robinson, someone I like, you could probably get him on day three. Uh, so that's what I would keep an eye out for. No, I like it. He's fun. Sorry. Sorry, Rob. No, no, that's all right. Go ahead. I, I'm just going to say he's a very fun watch. And again, I... Man, I, I think you hit it on the head, Javi, the fact that he fits that what it is they're looking for. They're, they're trying to find the extra sauce, like the hot sauce, right? Like the extra spice to get it over the edge because they saw what it could be with D Ford in that little eight-game stretch, and they lost it. They haven't had it since. Um, you're going to need somebody like that that can bring that just little bit extra off the edge, and he's a guy that could have it. So, again, if they wait even longer, you know, you're talking fifth, sixth, seventh round, think he'll be gone by the sixth probably but again that fourth fifth round range which is hard to get an edge there they usually don't pan out but i do like that kid miami of ohio a lot of fun fun to watch i'm not disputing what you're saying leo i'm just saying i hope you're wrong 
because I don't want the 49ers to draft for next year. Like a Super Bowl next year is not, or two years from now is not worth more than a Super Bowl next year. Like you're in this window now where Lance is on a rookie deal. Bosa is still cheap. Debo is still cheap. You've got a ton of great players around you. Like try to win it now. Like show some freaking urgency here and let's go. Stop trying to win a Super Bowl in 2025. You're going to get a Super Bowl in 2036 and you're going to like it. Okay. That's just what's going to happen. 2036, looking forward to it. Um, you know, we're going to blink and we're going to there, going to be there. And this whole time that you've been waiting, like you're not even going to realize it at that point. You're just going to be crying, hugging your son who's now old enough to drink a beer at this <laughs> point. Um, so it's, it's going to be a great time. We're all going to be grandfathers, maybe. So, um, but since, since you're saying this, you're talking about urgency at certain positions. I'm going to ask you this question. Best available at 61 or at any point in the draft, or do you draft for that need? So what I I'm currently designing a t-shirt that says Kyle redshirted me. That's my new, like a uh, 49ers <laughs> rush t-shirt idea. Uh, because I, I agree with you. I, I feel the urgency, but I don't think it's happening. And I don't think that the 49ers draft best player available. Not early anyway. Here's their tendency. And we, we saw this. You trade DeForest Buckner. What do you do? You trade, you draft a defensive tackle. If Sanders leaves, what do you do? You dr trade up and you draft a wide receiver. Whatever you lose, you replace. And But later on in the draft, screw what you've drafted, whether you've drafted a running back, an interior offensive lineman, it doesn't matter. You go back and you draft those again because early on, probably the first four rounds, it's need-specific drafting. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not here to debate that, which actually – it is wrong. If you want best player available drafting, look at the damn Green Bay Packers. You draft a fullback, a backup quarterback, and a running back with your first three picks. When your Super Bowl window's open, that doesn't how how's that work out? How's that work out? I don't think it does. And so I get it. Any poll I put on Twitter or a clip, oh, who should the 49ers draft? Three of the first comments are BPA every time. And I'm just I cuss their grandparents. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Like, <laughs> think of something else to say. Participate in the conversation. Because the 49ers don't do that. They don't go best player available early. They haven't since Lynch and Shanahan arrived. It's not going to start now. I, I mean, best player available is great, except what if the best player, player available is like a tight end? Are you really going to spend a high pick on a tight end? No. You have George Kittle. Like, it would be wrong to do that. So, I, I think it's smart. Fill your needs with cheap players. And uh, I hope that's what they do. Two more positions I want to ask you about. First, we'll, we'll end with a dessert, so I'll save the wide receivers for last. Corners. They need a corner. I think they need at least one because if either Mosley or Ward gets hurt, then you've got to have either Ambry Thomas or Diamador Lenore playing significant time, possibly on the outside. I don't know that that's what the 49ers really want to do. If they go corner, can they get somebody that can be serviceable in round two, round three, round four? One of my favorite players in this entire draft, and I, I'm not the biggest fan of this draft for first-round talent. Like, the 49ers planned it perfectly well. I only have 14 first-round grades, which mm. is considerably lower than normal. Usually, it's around 21 to 25. That's pretty average. 14. The last first-round grade that I have this year is cornerback out of Washington, Kyler Gordon. I am in love with this dude's tape, with his metrics, which a lot of people expected him to be kind of a 4-3, 4-2 guy in the combine. He didn't do that, but he is a perfect slot corner that fits every single 
kind of mold that the 49ers like at the cornerback. And my favorite thing about him, I think this is probably one of the biggest weaknesses. I was arguing with Croc uh, earlier today, which I do quite often. I love Croc, but I like to argue with him. Um, I think the slot fade is like our Achilles heel. You look at the last probably five games of the, you know, going into the playoff stretch, it didn't matter who we had there. Um, when K1 Williams was healthy, he was getting burned. Number 27's in there. Yeah, that's going to get burned on slot fade. Jimmy Ward goes down. He gets burned there. Like, it doesn't really, it's a weakness because of our scheme. But whenever you watch some of these guys, you have to replace that. You have to compensate with better personnel that can play against that. And, Kyler Gordon, he's got that route in spades. I doubt he's there at 61, but he's the one player where I'm like, if he's there, man, I'm comfortable trading up. I'm like that dude. I know it's only 70% of the snaps, but again, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, like Rondell Moore, win your division first. Where are our weaknesses? I think that's where it is right now. I would love to get this dude. I think he would be perfect. But again, he's kind of the only one in that pick 61 range that I would justify that pick on a cornerback. But there are a whole bunch of speed corners later on in this draft that you can get if you wait. I like Gordon as well. I think he's great. I think he'll be fantastic. But I I guess my draft crush that I want at 61 that I – that I would probably start crying if it happens. No, not not to that extreme. But <laughs> Jalen Petrie out of Baylor has uh, been targeted close to 100 times in college over three years. Uh, and no touchdowns allowed. Four interceptions. And I think he's a plug-and-play day one starter at the nickel corner spot. Um, he has a, a little bit of high safety in him as well. If he has to, um, you know, that would be something that would be a little more exotic that I don't think the 49ers are necessarily going to do, but a six foot slot corner th- that's got amazing feet. He had a six, seven, three, three cone drill. If yeah. you want that for perspective, Debo Samuel was at a seven. Uh, <laughs> and we've seen Debo Samuel, you know, and his feet, they're not slow. They're good. He's got really good feet. And Jalen Petrie's right there. I think he's good with his hands. Um, could work on his tackling. He's not the best of tacklers. So that that's kind of what you would be missing uh, in Kwan Williams by replacing him with the Jalen Petrie. But in terms of coverage, like I think that's what's important in nowadays football. I could take a little, little, you know, step back in, in my slot corner tackling, but yet get a step up in coverage. And I think that'll go a long way. Uh, there was, I, I think, K1 was more of a liability than made plays in coverage because when he did make plays, things happened. Like Jimmy Ward got an interception in the NFC championship game. He did get a K1 did get an interception against Dallas. So he did make plays, but I think he was more of a liability than a playmaker at the slot corner. Go ahead, John. Yeah. I, I love Petrie. Uh, one as just a person, he was the only player when the whole art Bryles mess at Baylor took place. He was the only scholarship player to stay behind and say he wanted to help rebuild and do it right. The only one. Um, and so this dude, I, I know coaches on the current Baylor staff, they love this kid and say, like, he is the fan favorite, coach's favorite, everything you want in a bag of chips. My issues with him were the not his fault, by the way. They run a double shell almost scheme-wise, which they're, they're, he's always off the ball, probably like a six to seven yard cushion as a slot guy. And whenever he's on the ball, he's blitzing, which he's great at. He he led all the secondary players to tackle for losses. That dude, he, he's a missile. He does miss some tackles, but it's high impact. Like kind of, uh, he reminded me a little bit on tape as Talanoa Hufunga, like just a high impact 
player. But I hate like I wish the whole time I'm watching his film, like I'm clipping through plays. No, that doesn't translate to what the 49ers do because it's literally an off slot coverage. And so the 49ers put their slot in a terrible position. Now he's never given up a touchdown. Uh, he's incredible. I really like his playmaking skills. If they took him at 61, I would be really, really happy. The question mark for me would be, this is a new scheme. This is new technique. How's that going to translate? But you're right. Petrie, man, he, he'd be one of those gold star guys, which the 49ers do, where it's like, don't have to worry about medicals, perfect character, workaholic. Like, he has that, I mean, captain of the defense type quality, which, yeah, I'm with you, Luda. I, I would be so happy if they got him. I really, really would. Let me follow up on that because I feel my philosophy is always take guys that have to change the least. I want to take a guy that fit like Elijah Mitchell fit the 49ers zone run scheme from the second he walked in the door. That's why he was able to contribute so much. Now we hear about Trey Sermon. Well, we had to change his running style. Well, then why the hell did you trade up in the third round to take him? So like, if you it, Petrie sounds like a great player, but if what if he's going to be asked to do something that he's not done a ton of in college, like why do you want that guy? To me, that makes the risk so much higher. I think if you had an early first round pick, or he fell, or you traded back and got him, I would love for him to be on this team. I think he fits. It's just like you said, the question mark. From that was just my analysis. I could be way wrong, by the way. I'm sure somebody could pull up a whole bunch of clips and say, like, John Chapman, you're a moron. Uh, and I agree with you. My wife would agree as well. But I, I just think, I just think again, I want to see them do what I like. And if that's the case, one of the late round 40 dollars favorites, Marcus Jones. That, that, now he's tiny against K1 Williams, like, but smaller. Like, I think he's somebody that third to fourth round who he's going to fall because his metrics are just, he's very, very, he's small. But again, another player that's feisty that can run and has returner capabilities. There are a lot of slot corners that you can get in this draft. And part of me says that's going to cause them to wait. But I think that's a mistake, man. If you can get one of these studs, oh, yeah, it'd make the defense so much better. I'll tell you this, Rob. Um, because I saw him at the Senior Bowl. And I saw him do one-on-ones, press, press up coverage, press man coverage. And to me, I... I, I played wide receiver, I've played corner, and during one-on-ones, the wide receiver's always going to have the edge. Always, because you don't have help from any pos any side, left, right, behind you when you're when you're covering the guy. Um, so it's a lot harder trying to figure out what the hell this guy's running, and Petrie was getting in guys' grills. He looked great one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the reason why a team drafts a player, because he looks good in one-on-one -on -one coverage at the Senior Bowl. But I'm just offsetting to where um, maybe that was not his cup of tea in his defense over there at Baylor. But to me, I think if I have any doubts in that, I, that solidifies it a, you know, a little uh, more for myself. And they love senior bowl players. They love senior bowl. That's a perfect point, man. Perfect point. All right, let's end with a little bit of dessert here because we <laughs> all love the shiny things. We all, when, when 49ers pick a skill position player, we all go to YouTube right away and just type in player name plus highlights and watch highlight videos. I know I do it every single time. So I think the 49ers clearly need a wide receiver because it's Debo, it's Ayuk, it's Jennings, and then it's Ray Ray McLeod. And I'm sorry, Ray Ray McLeod is not, no, just no, uh, no. He's so, no Travis Benjamin. I get uh, you. Yeah, please. <laughs> 
Can we get somebody to contribute? Like the ghost of Travis Benjamin was running out there. Why was Travis Benjamin on the field? Oh, because uh, he was fast. Okay. Well, can he catch? Can he get open? No, but he runs really fast. Okay, great. There are wide receivers in this draft. That's all I hear about how many good receivers are in this draft. So the 49ers are going to have an opportunity to get one of them. Who are the guys you'd like to see them get? You know, we talked about interior offensive linemen, how the 49ers just do not touch that position. Wide receiver is the exact opposite. Kyle Shanahan cannot help himself, whether he's drafting them, whether he's trading picks for Emmanuel Sanders. It doesn't matter. He loves wide receivers. So I would not be shocked at all. Now there's two guys that if they fail the 61, which there's, you can get whatever type of wide receiver you want at any point in this draft. So if you want a speedster, you want a route runner, you want undersized, you can find it. But there's two guys that I have circled that if they fall to 61, it's like, all right, let's go. Obviously Christian Watson, uh, who's, I don't think there's a chance he falls. Trey Lance's former teammate. I know he's a fan favorite for everybody. That's great. The other one, Sky Moore. Again, another guy that's just break tackle city. You know, not a huge metrics guy, not whatever. You just put the ball in his damn hands and he makes people miss. Find a way to measure that. You probably can't, but he just does it. You turn the film on and it's just like, all right, he's using cheat codes. Uh, those two players, if they fall to 61, I, I could 100% see the 49ers drafting them. Now, if you wait till later, holy freaking cow, what do you want? You want 6'3", deep guy? All right, cool. You got guys like Justin Ross, right, who I freaking – he's a lot, a lot of fun. You want the small, shifty guy? You got Velas Jones out of Tennessee who doesn't run a very good route tree, but you just find a way to give him the ball and let him do his thing. He's probably a little bit more in the Ray Ray McLeod territory with more upside. Um but again, are you looking for somebody that can – here's my entire take on it. If Debo or Ayuk goes down, what's Trey going to do? Obviously, you got Kittle. You got the run game. But let's take advantage of his arm. The biggest metamorphosis that this offense could have is the return of the deep ball, which has been non-existent. So get somebody <laughs> that's not Travis Benjamin that can run downfield. And you've got Tyquan Thornton. If there's one player that, like – I could like pencil in. It would be like a fifth round pick for wide receiver out of Baylor, Tyquan Thornton. Remember, he ran the four two three. He's six two, by the way, um, and he he runs a decent route tree, but it's not that advanced. But he would be that burner. Give him somebody that's a Christian Watson light that you can go get. It just depends on where he falls. But this year, every year. As long as the college football and high school is basically playing glorified seven on seven, we're going to have wide receivers aplenty every single year in the draft moving forward. This is probably my most favorite position to salivate over um, when it comes to draft because it's like, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. And then I ended up with someone that, you know, wasn't on my list, but then they end up becoming great wide receivers. Um, that's what's so fun about looking at this wide receiver position. It, it's they're like getting better by the year. Um, they they went to go ahead and had a interview with Samari Torre uh, from Nebraska. Before that, he was at Montana, and all of a sudden, I started watching his tape, and I'm like, holy crap! I like this guy too. Six three runs a four four two, and we're talking about deep ball, right? With with uh, Trey Lance here, he had four uh, touchdowns this season of seventy yards. Now some of that was yards after the catch it wasn't completely 40 yards uh or excuse me 70 yards just you know in the bucket no it was not nothing like that um but he does kind of get a little crafty after the catch seen him hit a couple spin moves 
one against Ohio State that led to a touchdown. So he's actually kind of fun, and the 49ers are interviewing him. Um, Matt Mayoko confirmed on that, but someone that I like, that's probably a day three guy that nobody's talking about when it comes to the NFL draft, is Devin Tompkins from Utah State. Uh, he had 1,700 yards this season, 10 touchdowns, um, 104 receptions, and he had led the nation in deep catches with 24 and led the nation in deep yards with 906. He is a smaller guy at only 5'8", but he doesn't play at 5'8", if you watch him. He looks like he's six foot out there. Um, so I wouldn't take his height as a disadvantage. He does play taller than he, than his listed height. Um, and he did not get invited to the combine, despite leading the nation in receiving yards, d- despite leading the nation in deep catches. Um, despite all of that, he did not get invited to the combine. So you know he's going to come into the NFL. He's going to get drafted uh, with that extra chip on his shoulder. Um, so that's what excites me at a player like him that has had success. Um, I also like a Bo Melton. Uh, give me some of him, please. Thank you. Um, I also like Eric uh, Azukama from Texas Tech. He he's a little physical after the catch, and that you know that reminds me of Debo Samuel. Um, granted, nobody's gonna be Debo Samuel, but if, if if I see a little bit of that in your style, yeah, give me some of that. Um, kind of like a Juwan Jennings. Give me some of that. Um, so th- there's plenty of these guys that could be had on day three that I like. Um, so. Uh, if they want to go ahead and take go something crazy and take them, you know, on, in round three, that that's fine. Uh, you said Justin Ross. If it wasn't for injury, he's probably a, a round one draft. Yeah. So, you know, this is fun. This is the funnest position to look at because you you watch the film and you're just like, hell, this guy's good too. <laughs> this guy's good too. Um, that's why I, I you could you could correct me on this, John, if you'd like. But w- when I look at this position, is what's the route tree? Are these guys just running fades down, you know, down the you know field? Are they just catching screen passes and taking it to the house? Um, what kind of route tree do you give me? So I think that's a big part when looking at these wide receivers. But Devin, Devin Tompkins, like, if I could have just one, even though he's 5'8", give me that one. <laughs> and he's not – the draft capital is not much. It's probably round yeah. six. And I think, you know, they all fall in love. Kyle falls in love. You remember when they traded up for Ayuk? It was during the COVID draft, and they had the like the camera on him in his office, and he's like celebrating, and he turns to high-five his kids, and like the kids aren't paying attention, and he <laughs> high-fives nobody, but he doesn't even notice because he's just so elated. Like Kyle has his guys trading up for Dante Pettis. Yeah, that worked out well. Uh, but mm. like that's the thing. You fall in love, and I, we do this too when we watch film. We're just like, oh. Ooh, like it gets you feeling something. The coaches do that too. And whenever they fall in love with a guy, we, we know that this front office moves around in the draft and we've got 11, 10 or 11 picks slated for next year. I think one of those seventh comp picks will fall out when some more free agents sign, but they've got ammunition. I understand we don't have first round picks, but they have enough picks to move up and down and all around, which John Lynch likes to do. So it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It kind of is a position of need. You think of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, like, oh, we're set at wide receiver. Eh, as John said, if somebody goes down, what do you got? What do you got? You know, so it's it. everybody else has gone. Like, Sheffield's in Miami. Like, those were the guys they had on the active roster. Um, 
River Craycraft was a guy they had on an uh, active roster. Benjamin, active roster. So it's like, oh, okay, now you need to get you need to get some more in here. Um, these guys to play wide receiver. Uh, like I, I do like Devin Tompkins, but yeah, give me give me a second one as well because I think Devin Tompkins is probably more of a guy you throw in the slot. It's not really a guy you have directly on the outside. Um, but the good thing about this offense is they kind of interchange who plays slot. It's not just a single Wes Welker out there. Yeah. Um, so that's what I like about this offense here. And it's going to be interesting. Like I will not be shocked if they take two wide receivers. And I think that it may be a no. need for them to take two wide receivers. Agree. There have been 40 draft picks in the Shanahan Lynch era. Seven of them have been wide receivers. That is the most of any position on the roster. Does that count the two picks they traded for Emmanuel Sanders? No. <laughs> so That's, one out of every four picks has been a wide receiver. It's absurd. Like the capital wow. that they have invested in that position, right? When you factor in the trading up for, for Pettis, the trade for Emmanuel Sanders, it's trade up for IU. Jalen Hurd. Oh, like, look, Kyle was a receiver. I did an interview with Pierre Garçon at the Super Bowl. And he told me that Kyle Shanahan shows the receivers film of him in college. Kyle Shanahan shows his own film. Hook him horns, baby. Hook him horns, baby. Like <laughs> he loves the receivers, but I think he he coaches them hard. He's very hard on them because he played in college. And so he falls in love with someone like Brandon Ayuk, and then he freezes them out of the offense for half a season. Also, he can fall out of love with guys, but I agree. I think they're taking a receiver. I like I, I don't know any of these players. I, I will start to research them now that you've put them on my radar. I keep hearing about this guy, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Yeah. Is he what's the deal with him? Big and fast, man. Big That's and good fast. Combo. Whenever they play Notre Dame or Alabama or whatever, the dude belongs, belongs, belongs. There you go. So those are some names to keep an eye on. Uh, we've still got What are we at now? 23 days, I think, until the draft. Like you said, Leo, there's or, or John, I can't even remember which one of you said it, but there's plenty of ammo if the Niners want to move up. They never hesitate to do it. I continue to predict that Dre Greenlaw is going to be part of a draft day trade. I don't think he comes back on the 49ers roster next year. I think they're going to move him. Maybe they put him in some sort of crazy package and move up to get a guy. We'll have to see. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, please, we beg you, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Take 30 seconds. If you already follow us, that is awesome. But if you haven't left a review, please just take 30 seconds out of your day. Drop us a five-star review. It really does help. It helps people discover us, which is so, so hard when it comes to podcasts. So please and thank you there. Leo, thanks for letting me pinch hit, man. Anytime, you know, um, I, I think you just might maybe a regular co-host on this show. I think you pitched <laughs> it for me a couple weeks ago or last week. I can't even remember what it was, but yeah, you're you're a part of the show. You're the producer. You produce. You run the train here. So absolutely. Super sub. That's me, John. Thank you very much for the time. Again, you can go to 49ers Rush Road Trip dot com. There's still tickets left for your draft day meet and greet with Fred Warner and Elijah Mitchell. You're renting out places on the strip in Vegas. Like John's got things going on, John. You're, it's that's a good impressive. thing. It's not a busy weekend, you know, otherwise <laughs> that would have been really expensive. So uh, yeah, I got so lucky on that one. Go there, meet Fred Warner, meet Elijah Mitchell, open bar as if you needed even more incentive. So definitely go and check that out. John, thank you for the time and thank you for listening. Everybody. We'll talk to you next week.